This morning we continue and almost finish the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. Sunday before last, we studied Genesis chapter 45. And I entitled that message, Honesty is the what? Blessed policy. We have been told so many times that honesty is the best policy. Yes? But from the Bible, I entitled it, Honesty is the blessed policy. True blessings begin with God's promise, done God's way, waiting on God's time, which will result in God's best. Many times, we do not get God's best because what? We don't trust God's promises. We do not like God's way. And worse, we don't like God's timing. God. Ang tagal. She knows. Isabel knows. She? Okay, I'm fine with God's promises. I love God's promises. Yeah? I love God's way. But I don't like God's wristwatch. Sometimes it ticks so slow. You like to wait? I don't like to wait. Sometimes I pray and I want God's answers now. Some of you are even worse. You pray today, you want God's answer yesterday. Oh, yeah. Sister Tess, you know, huh? Booking. So we studied the life of Joseph. Applying this, you remember this? Keep this in mind. The life of Joseph. Like, this looks like the stock market last Friday when England exited the EU. Okay? The life of Joseph. He was a favored son. He was betrayed by his brothers. He was sold as a slave. He was promoted to house manager in the household of Potiphar. He was falsely accused by the wife who later <coughs> imprisoned him. And then he was promoted again in jail. And he told somebody, Oh, I interpreted your dream for you. You better tell the king, Pharaoh, about me. Okay? He was forgotten for two years. Two years. But after two years, that guy remembered him. And then, because of that, he was promoted to be the prime minister of Egypt. That's why you have that DVD, that movie, what? The Prince of Egypt. Pharaoh was so confident. He was so blessed with how Joseph did things that he did not have to think about what's going on in my kingdom. Why? Because Joseph was trustworthy. Everything that Joseph did was blessed. Why was it blessed? Because the presence of God was with Joseph. Joseph was not blessed because of who he is. Joseph was blessed because of God's presence in his life. For many, many years, he kept a secret. His brothers did not know that he was still alive. Because, number one, they tried to kill him. Number two, they changed their mind. They didn't kill him. They sold him as a slave. 
You remember? Who thought that Joseph was dead? The father. Who is the father? Jacob. Jacob, his name was changed to Israel. Okay? How did they convince Jacob that Joseph was dead? They showed the robe that Jacob, his father, presented to him. They covered it with blood. Is this the robe of your son? Yes. He's dead. Look at the blood. Okay? In Genesis 45, his brothers came to Joseph. He could no longer contain himself. And he confessed. He came out in the open. He became honest to his siblings. He said, I am Joseph. I am your brother. Come. After going through all of these ups and downs of his life, now that he is in a position of power, being the prince of Egypt, being the prime minister of Egypt, what was his mindset? He said, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. You see the mindset, the perspective of Joseph? His focus was on God. God had a promise to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. That Abraham would be a father of a great nation. Multitudes, nations will be blessed. There was a famine in the land. That was part of why his brothers wanted to kill him and instead sold him into slavery. Because in his dream, they all bowed to him. By this time, do they really need to bow to him? He is now the second in command. There is a famine in the land. But what is his perspective? Verse 7 again, God sent me before you to preserve a remnant because by you, there will be a great deliverance. So, Pharaoh sent them, go, bring all of this animals and chariots and whatnot go and get your father so they went all these years jacob thought my favorite son joseph is dead all these years he mourned greatly for his son this was his favorite son and then they came back with the report joseph is alive this is what he told us to tell you and look at what he sent he sent all of this stuff to prove that in the midst of famine, we have all of this. Joseph is alive. And what did Israel or Jacob, his father, say? It is enough. My son Joseph is still alive. I will go, see him. I will go and see him before I die. Did Jacob long for his son? Notwithstanding the many years that he thought Joseph was dead, did he long for his son? Yes. Look at what he said. I believe, based on your report, I believe that my son Joseph is alive. 
Let us go. At least I will be able to see him one more time. And then I can die. You have that kind of dream? Lord, only if this happens, then I can die. Then I can die in peace. You have that dream? Jacob had that dream. It all began to fall into place when Joseph became honest to his siblings about who he really is. Joseph was blessed when he became honest. The household of Pharaoh was blessed. They were happy for Joseph. Joseph's siblings were blessed. We are going to live. We are not going to die. We are going to survive the famine. Jacob, the father, was blessed. I will yet see my son before I die. Let's go. So this morning, honesty is the, two weeks ago, honesty is the blessed policy. This morning, honesty is still the blessed policy. <laughs> okay ba? Unless gusto nyo, honesty is the blessed, is the blessed policy part two. Honesty is still the blessed policy. Alright? Let's pray. God Almighty, we thank you that we have your word. Your word, Lord God, shall stand the test of time. So we pray, I pray, that we listen to your word, Lord. To what your word wants to communicate to us. So that we may understand and obey. And at the end of the day, Father, indeed, you are a blessor of those who love you and trust you. God, I have no authority whatsoever to be here except by your Holy Spirit. So speak to all of us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. What's the message this morning? Honesty is still the blessed policy. Not just the best, the blessed policy. So Jacob said, come, let us go. In Genesis 46, verse 1. So Israel set out with all he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. So he said he will go. Did he go? Yes. He believed the report. So when you believe a report, what do you do? You do something about it. Yes or no? If you don't believe, you will not do anything about it. But if you believe, you will do something about it. So Israel set out with all he had and he went to Beersheba. What did he do? When he arrived at Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. God spoke to Israel in visions of night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. He said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go to Egypt. For I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt and will also surely bring you up again. And Joseph will close your eyes. What does it mean when the Bible tells us Joseph will close your eyes? Number one, you will see your son Joseph. Number two, he is the one who is going to Close your eyes. I have an uncle in Bacolod City. 
He was old. He was the first survivor of a heart attack who survived 10 years. My cousin saw him sprawled on the floor, his eyes looking up at the ceiling. My cousin thought that her father, my uncle, was dead. So she knelt down. <laughs> and then she was going to close the eyes of my uncle. My uncle said, Bohe pako. I'm still alive. <laughs> True story. True story. Of course, my uncle eventually died. Verse 2 to 4. If you have been tracking with us time and time again, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, time and time again, God reminds them, I promise to make you a great nation. I promise to make you a great nation. Isaac, I promised your, your father Abraham. Jacob, I promised your father Isaac and your grandfather Abraham. You will be a great nation. He reminds Israel again. You will be a great nation. I am the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. I will make you a great nation there. Where? In Egypt. Now, what is the assurance that this will happen? I will go down with you. The presence of God. My friends, that is the most important thing. Whatever you do, Look for the presence of God. Look for the glory of God. Because if you're after the presence, if you're after the glory of God, I submit to you, you will be blessed. He said, when you reach Egypt, your son Joseph will close your eyes. You see, blessings really start with God. We believe God and God's word by faith. And if we really believe God and we really believe by faith, we will obey. We will do something about it. So my friends, I submit to you. If you say you believe something and you're not doing something about it, you don't really believe. Because until you believe, that is the proof of your faith. Until you do something about it, then it becomes real. It's like you're in the bakery. Wow, this looks good. How do you know? Oh, you bought it. Okay, there. Ah, you have to do something. You have to taste it. That's why the Bible in the Psalms tell us what? Come and taste. And what? See that the Lord is good. You have to believe God on His Word. You accept it by faith and you do something about it if you really believe. Verse 4 and 5. Then Jacob rose from Beersheba after God reassures him. Jacob rose from Beersheba and the sons of Israel carried their father and their little ones and their wives in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. Who provided the wagon? You see how blessed Joseph was? How good his reputation was? 
Pharaoh thought of everything. Bring this, bring this, bring this. This is my gift. Bring a wagon to carry your old father. You have a good reputation with the people around you? Or, ay, Christian. Joseph had a good report. He had a good reputation. They took their livestock and their property which they had acquired in the land of Canaan and came to Egypt. Jacob and all his descendants with him, his sons and his grandsons with him, his daughter and his granddaughters, and all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. So the whole clan of Jacob is going to be saved from the famine. Why? Where is everything? It's in Egypt. Okay? All the persons belonging to Jacob who came to Egypt, his direct, direct descendants, not including the wives of Jacob's son, were 66 persons in all. Women, ladies, okay, don't get mad at me. They just do the census based on the husband, the head of the household. So don't think that when you read this, Ay, the ladies were left behind? No. Just for the purpose of the census. How many were there? 66. Okay? 66 men. Alright? Which is not only 66, there's more. And the sons of Joseph who were born to him in Egypt were two. All the persons who of the house of Jacob who came to Egypt were 70. What can we learn about Joseph in verse 27? Which we have never learned about him until now. Huh? He has two sons. Nothing before this mentioned that he is married, that he has children. But now, we come to know that Joseph has two sons. Born to him where? In Egypt. So where did he meet the mother of his kids? In Egypt. You see, honesty is the blessed policy. And it is still the blessed policy. Who are these two? We will learn about them later on. In the meantime, Manasseh and Ephraim. Not Ephraim, Lucero, okay? Manasseh and Ephraim. Later will become, as we read, two other cities. Alright? So now we learn something about Joseph. Now he has two sons. And all of them are now, the family is now 70. Now, he sent Judah before him to Joseph to point out the way before him to Goshen. And they came into the land of Goshen. Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as he appeared before him, he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a long time. So what happened? It's like in the processions in Manila, may salubong. You remember? One party will go over here and then the other from go over, and then they will meet in the middle. You get it? Get the picture? So what happened? They went to meet in Goshen. Why Goshen? Because in chapter 45, Joseph already asked permission from Pharaoh. Can my family live in Goshen? He said yes. Right? So why Goshen? Because that's where he asked, Joseph asked Pharaoh for his family to live. Did they miss each other? 
Did they miss each other? Did Jacob miss Joseph? Did Joseph miss Jacob? Yes. When he finally blurted out to his siblings, I am Joseph. He cried with a, with a loud wail. And the whole palace heard. You know, when relationships are reconciled, when the relationships are reconciled, you really weep. Right? No matter what the person has done to you in the past, if you really have a heart to forgive and to ask for forgiveness, you will really weep. Because relationships are reconciled. You're reconciled with your brother. You're reconciled with your parents. All kinds of reconciliation. And God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Have you ever shared the gospel with somebody? Have you ever shared Jesus Christ with somebody? And that person comes to faith in Christ. And you see right before your eyes, there's a change there's a new twinkle in their eye because they have come to know Jesus. Sometimes they cry. Sometimes you cry with them. It was a reunion. They were separated for, for so many years and Jacob thought that his son Joseph was dead and now they are reconciled. Now Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die since I have seen your face, that you are still alive. For Jacob, it was enough. I could die. I have seen your face. Jacob loved Joseph. Joseph was his favorite. His other favorite was Benjamin. Because Joseph and Benjamin are the only two by Jacob and the wife whom he loved. Who was that? Leah. Rachel. Patingin kasi ako Leah. Now, they are together in Goshen. Right? What's going to happen next? They have to go to Pharaoh. They have to report. Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and will say to him, My brothers and father's household who are in the land of Canaan have come to me. The men are shepherds, for they have been keepers of livestock, and they have brought their flocks and their herds and all they have. That is the script. Correct? Joseph told them, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go up and this is what I'm going to tell Pharaoh. And how is Joseph going to introduce his family to Pharaoh? They are, these men are shepherds for they have been keepers of livestock. Okay? When Pharaoh calls you and says, what is your occupation? First, he tells them, this is what I'm going to say. This is the script. Right? This is the script. This is what I'm going to tell them. Now, let's rehearse. When Pharaoh calls you and asks you, what is your occupation? You shall say, your servants have been keepers of livestock. 
from our youth, even until now, both we and our fathers, that you may live in the land of Goshen. You see something suspicious? What? The men are shepherds, for they have been keepers of livestock. Now, you will say, keepers of livestock. What happened to shepherds? Why all of a sudden a change in the script? Is it true that they are shepherds? Yes or no? Is it true that they are keepers of livestock? Yes or no? But why is it? That when Pharaoh asks you what is your occupation, you shall only say, keepers of livestock. Because every shepherd is loathsome to the Egyptian. Is that a 100% honest reply? Kinda, sorta. Sorta, kinda. 99% truth is what? False. Abraham told King Abimelech, she's my sister. Was that 100% honest? Why? Sarah was his wife. But Sarah was also his sister. So what is the more convenient? To tell King Abimelech that Sarah is my sister. Because if I tell King Abimelech that Sarah is my wife, because she is so beautiful, they will kill me so they can take her. This is the script. This is what I'm going to tell Pharaoh. You are shepherds and keepers of livestock. Now if he asks you, tell, them, tell him, Keepers of livestock. Because shepherds are loathsome. Then Joseph went in and told Pharaoh and said, My father and brothers and their flocks and their herds and all they have come, have come to the land of Canaan. And behold, they are in the land of Goshen. He took five men from among his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. Were his brothers already rehearsed? You already have a script. You're going to apply for a job. You're already in your mind. You already know what you're going to say. Right? Then Pharaoh said to his brothers, What is your occupation? Now I'm seeing a mental picture here. No, for example, Pharaoh is in the middle, right? So I'm Joseph. I have already rehearsed my siblings. Medyo... Right? So Pharaoh is there. Pharaoh, these are my five siblings. What is your occupation? You already rehearsed it, right? What are they supposed to say? Keepers of livestock. Why? Shepherds are loathsome. So you're there. Filipinos very good with the What is your occupation? So they said, Pharaoh, 
Your servants are shepherds. So <laughs> yeah. You cannot say pero to the fair. I told you, keepers of livestock. What did they say? We are shepherds. Not only that, both we and our fathers. That's not the script. I already rehearsed you. What's wrong with you? Joseph is the prince of Egypt. They chose to disobey him. They chose to say the truth. Pharaoh is lord over Egypt. They chose to speak the truth. We are shepherds. Our fathers and all before us were shepherds. Honesty is still the blessed policy. Many of us are pressured by people above us to conform so that it will be easier for us. It's a half-truth anyway. Sarah is also my sister, but she is also my wife. We are keepers of livestock, but we are also shepherds. What did these brothers choose to declare? The truth. And if you're Joseph, when Pharaoh calls you and says, what is your occupation? Keepers of livestock. What did they reply? We are shepherds. So what did Pharaoh do? They said to Pharaoh, we have come to sojourn in the land for where there is no pasture for your servants, flocks, we're reading chapter 47. For the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now, therefore, please let your servants live in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father, your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is at your disposal. Settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them live in the land of Goshen. And if you know any capable men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. They moved, they're already provided. Now they're even giving work. Now they have employment. Why? Because honesty is still the blessed policy. You are already saved from the famine, and now you're going to get employed. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob and presented him to Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many years have you lived? So Jacob said to Pharaoh, The years of my sojourning are 130. Few and unpleasant have been the years of my life, nor have they attained the years that my fathers lived during the days of their sojourning. Jacob is relating the difficulty of his life to Pharaoh. He's admitting that his life is much shorter than his predecessors, Abraham and Isaac. But what did? Who is really blessed? Jacob or Pharaoh? 
Jacob was blessed because now his family, his line is going to be preserved. But what did he do? He blessed Pharaoh. Blessings go to waste. They were spared. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. How long have you been alive? 130 years. Difficult years. Painful years. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. So Joseph settled his father and brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt. In the best of the land. In the land of Ramesses, as Pharaoh had ordered. Joseph provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food according to their little ones. Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And they got the best of the land. They did not get, you know, uh, okay man, nothing lives there, so give that to them. No. Pharaoh gave Joseph's family the best in the land. Joseph was honest in his dealings and God blessed him. Not only him, but his entire household. They were provided with food even according to their most little one. Who is the name of Pharaoh? He remains unnamed until this part. Just Pharaoh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Now whom? Who is his name? Ramesses. Up to Genesis 46, 47, we did not know that Je Joseph had two sons. Now we know he has two sons. Up to this time, we didn't know who, just Pharaoh. Now his name is Ramesses. Why should we remember his name Ramesses? Because when he died, a different Pharaoh came to power who did not know the God of Joseph. They were blessed in the land. Were they 100% honest? Medyo, kinda, sorta, sorta, kinda to preserve so that the Egyptians will not be loathsome to us, tell them that we are keepers of livestock and shepherds. But his brothers decided to come clean. We are shepherds. Our fathers and all our ancestors were shepherds. And because they were honest, 100% honest, what did Pharaoh do? Not only were they blessed, they were also given jobs. Why? Who is in the background doing all of these things? God. You mean to say, Pastor, even the kings and rulers, God has control over? Yes. Proverbs 21. The king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. Could God have closed Pharaoh's heart? Yes. But what did God do? God chose to let Pharaoh bless Joseph and his family and preserve them. This morning, I have asked a brother in Christ to share with you how honesty has blessed him. 
I am uh, Joel Mercado. I work for the Los Angeles County Office of Education, also known as LACO. At Supervisor, I am basically in charge of operations of all 173 schools. My area responsibility covers custodial, moving, alarm, and pest control. My job is uniquely challenging. Every toilet paper requested, cockroach seen in a cubicle, chair that needs to be moved, alarm going off, they look for me. My scope is too wide, making me either very popular or very unpopular. At the end of each day, I am maxed out physically, mentally, and emotionally. But I love my job. Prior to LACO, I worked for a hospital housekeeping company in Palm Springs. They are contracted by hospitals to clean their facilities. I was an assistant director of housekeeping and was responsible for 55 housekeepers and 33 buildings. We would drive down to LA during weekends to attend worship and drive back up during the weekdays for work. Every day, I had to deal with minimum wage employees who had dirty job, low pay, and low morale. My staff were unhappy, rebellious, and did not care about the company. Then the inevitable occurred. Hospital management noticed huge losses in supplies at the patient lounge, so they set up surveillance cameras. They caught my team members stealing cases of fruit juices from the lounge. Unfortunately, I was seen in the surveillance videos during one of my inspection walkthroughs. An investigation was launched and I was called in for an interview. Because I did not want to displease my God, I told the investigator I took one juice box, which was offered to me by one of the hospital admin staff. The investigation concluded that I did not do a good job in handling the situation, and I was relieved of my duties. My life came to a halt, and being the sole provider of my family, I had reason to worry. Instead of worrying, I trusted in God, because in my heart, I knew He will never leave me, He will never forsake me. So I gracefully said my goodbyes, packed up my belongings, and prepared to move back to Long Beach, where I started the tedious task of filling out applications. I always dreaded the portion in the application's forms where I had to fill out reason for leaving section. I asked my wife if I will include in it that I was fired and she said, you pray about it and you tell the truth. So being a great husband, I listened to my wife and prayed fervently to God. I did not hold back. On all applications forms I filled out, I was as honest as I could be. It worked out great because I was blessed to receive God's faithfulness when I got hired by LACO. I was hired out of 200 applicants despite having a low testing score. My competitors had more professional experience than I did. I aced my interviews by talking about finishing well, a reflection that was on a Sunday message from CCFLA, and my interviewers loved it. My boss calls me into her office at least once a month to discuss projects and operations issues. She reiterated that she likes my work ethic and I have a great potential to grow in the company.
She also said that she will make me the best manager that I could be. During one of our talks, our conversation led to that she knew about the real reason why I was fired from my previous job. I was caught off guard, so I asked why. And she said, I picked you, Joel, despite of what happened. I was speechless. And I asked her, you knew, yet you still hired me. And she responded, you are young, you make mistakes. I saw past that. And for your honesty of putting that in your application, that says a lot. I was humbled. I had great competition during the interview process, but God was with me. I am where I am today not because of my credentials, not because I deserve it, but because I choose first to please my God. Psalm 37.4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I was blessed because I was honest, not because of my power, but because of my fear to displease my God. Every day, I stand by honesty, and it works well for me in the workplace. I don't compromise. I don't do special favors. I don't practice favoritism. I am black and white. What they see is what I am. No gray areas. I operate by the book, and I am a Christian before I am an employee or a manager. And my staff adapted to that. They don't approach me for shady requests or favors because they know the answer will be no. When I cannot complete a task, I just tell my boss I can't do it. And she appreciates honesty because in the past she had issues trusting custodial managers. Because of this, I have gained her trust and confidence. The employee union appreciates what I do because I am as fair as possible with staff. And they know that I am honest with my dealings regarding staff relations. I can only be a great honest manager because I do not want to displease my God. God gives me strength and the grace to go through my challenging responsibilities. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is something I know too well. It is only by God's grace that I'm able to go through my day with composure, and it's only by His grace that I'm able to live out my faith even in the workplace. Like Timothy, someday I would like to be able to say I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Glory is not mine. Only God can orchestrate such improbable circumstances. To my faithful and loving Father, glory is all yours. Is honesty the way to go? He could have put a lot of other excuses. You know what it means when you're applying for a job and there's a black mark in your past? You can be creative, right? You can be creative. I didn't steal anything. It was my staff. He got a box, but it was given to him by one of the admin persons. You can use that. Right? But what did Joe's, our brother Joel choose to do? He chose to be 100% honest. And what happened? The supervisor chose him over 200 other better qualified, better experienced applicants. Why? Proverbs 21. The hearts 
of the supervisor is like the channel of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns the heart of the supervisor wherever he wishes. Christian first, employee second. Joseph's brothers chose to disobey him, the prince of Egypt. They chose to be honest to Pharaoh. Pharaoh is the highest authority in the land. They chose, they took the risk. What if Pharaoh finds out that we are shepherds and he will be loathsome to us, as Joseph told us? Could that have been a possibility? Yes. But they chose to say, we are shepherds. Our fathers and our grandfathers before us were shepherds too. You see, honesty is still the blessed policy. There are many authorities above us. Government over its citizens. Who installed that government over us? God. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities for there is no authority except God. And those who exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. When you rebel against the government, you are in effect rebelling against God. Husband over his wife. Ephesians 5, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Wait, it says there, huh? Wives, be subject to your husbands only if he is loving. Where? It says, be subject to your wives only if your husband is the... It doesn't say. Does it say? It doesn't say. Oh, you have a different Bible, Sister Tess. <laughs> it doesn't say. Why? Because God, the authority, tells the wife, be subject to your husband. But God, my husband, let me take care of your husband. Your role is to be subject to your husband. I do not wish to comment on that because it might put your wife in a negative light. <laughs> parents over their children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Oh, but God, you do not know my parents. I know your parents. I gave them to you. But my father is like this, my mother. Does it say that again? I don't see that. Maybe you have an expanded version. The one that you wrote. Employers over their employers over their employees. Slaves be obedient to your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in the sincerity of heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. 
But my employer always asked me to stay, but does not pay me overtime. Who's your boss? Your employer or God? Pastors over their congregation. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Who is going to give an account for all of you? Pastor Insong, Pastor Danny, Pastor Reggie. Did I put that there? Is this a self-serving verse? No. We are to shepherd the flock that God has entrusted to us. Sometimes when you have a wayward sheep, what do you do? Not in the neck, just in the foot, okay? Why? Because it's not in alignment to God's word. Not to me, but to God's word. So we call your attention. Sometimes tough love. But we have to do it. And how can we cooperate? The Bible is telling us, cooperate with the leaders. Why? Because we're going to give an account for you. And if you make our life difficult, who loses in the end? Look at it. It would be unprofitable for you. Kayo lang, sama. I'm just kidding. Ultimately, the authority of God and God's word over everyone and everything. That is the supreme authority. At the end of the day, it is God and God's word over everyone and everything. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man. And the man is the head of the woman. And God is the head of Christ. So it's God, Jesus Christ, the man. So when the man tells you something that violates the higher authority, you have a right not to obey. Just like the brothers of Joseph. Tell them this. Tell him that. What did they choose to do? I'm not going to follow you. I'm going to be 100% honest. We are shepherds. Even if you are the prince of Egypt, we have a higher God. And I choose to obey Him. Matthew 15. Why do your disciples disobey your age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. They were testing Jesus. What did Jesus say? And Jesus replied, And why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? So which is the higher authority? Your tradition, my tradition, or the commandments of God? The commandments of God. The commandments of God trump everything. I'm not telling you to vote for Trump. <laughs> I want that very clear. They, God and God's word trumps everything. You and I are friends. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. But you, when you or I violate the word of God, I have the right to call your attention as well as you have the right to call my attention. Amen? God's word and his 
And God is the supreme authority. Now large crowds were going along with him and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. It's God or nothing. It's all God or not. You cannot say, yes, God. And do, do something else. It's not really yes, God. Yes, God, but no over here. Yes, God on this, but no over here. It can't be that way. You are still in violation. You are still against the authority. That's why Paul writes in Galatians, Am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. That's not me, man. You can choose to be honest or you can choose a white lie. If you're from La Salle, a green lie. If you're from Ateneo, a blue lie. If you are from UP, a maroon lie. It is still a lie. And you and I will be held accountable. Maybe not right away. But there will be a time of reckoning. Are you 100% honest? I encourage you to be 100% honest. Why? Because honesty is still the blessed policy. Trust God. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You will not be able to see the goodness of the Lord if you are not willing to obey Him 100%. God, we just want to thank you for the example of Joseph's brothers who chose to be 100% honest. This is such a dysfunctional family they have, Lord God. Favoritism, Scheming, murder, false reports. But God, you are God. And if not for your grace, if not for who you are, that you promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that they will see a multitude of descendants. If not for you, Lord God, where would they be? If not for your son Jesus, where would we be? Our sin has separated us from you, Lord God. But it is Jesus whom you sent, your one and only son whom you sent, to reconcile us back to yourself. You yourself provided that sacrifice, Lord God. We can't explain it. All we can do is believe it. All we can do is believe in you. And if we really say that we believe in you, then we will really act as if we are really disciples, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let you and you alone be the supreme authority in our lives. 
and let your word dwell in us that we may be faithful to obey it no matter what because honesty is still the blessed policy and we thank you in Jesus name and everyone said amen, amen and amen praise be to God We worship God through our songs. We worship God through our testimony. We worship God by the preaching of His Word. We always have an opportunity to worship God through the giving. So we have our tithe box over there at the back. We don't pass the offering plate. And uh, we always uh, want to you know, strike while the iron is hot, so to speak. So we break out into our small discussion groups. What human authority do you find most difficult to submit to? Is it the government? Is it your parents? Is it your spouse? Is it your church leader? Is it, could it be even God? And then, what impact for God's glory would you have if you began to submit to that authority? Practical questions, yes? So let's break out into our small groups. And uh, the people from, the young people from VBS are going to come here at 11.30 and we can see and bear witness to their graduation ceremony. So, break up into your small groups. Make the best of your time. And at 11.30, we'll call the children up here to share their graduation with us.